Wow. We are back. Episode, what, 29 of the podcast? Uh, happy Mother's Day to all the ladies out there. Ladies out there. Um, UFC 249, man, it's in the books. And I'm sure I'm suffering from some sort of recency bias, but was that not one of the craziest fucking fights you've ever seen in your whole life? We knew it was going to be like that. We knew there was going to be a finish. And there was a finish. Just not the way we expected. No. (laughs) Justin Gaethje, credit to Trevor Whitman, man. Like I said, I've given him a lot of praise, and mostly just for his technical skills in terms of training his fighters. Justin's even said, man, um, Trevor's the artist and he's the canvas. But Trevor Whitman, shout out to him between that second and third round after Justin got dropped. um, He told him, man, you're trying to take his fucking head off. Chill the hell out. Take some off your punches. And, you know, he I, I like their terminology I picked up on. He's like, you can give him a cleaner every once in a while, but you have to make sure that it's, you know, it's there. Just like, you know, not necessarily just this fight, but if you overextend or you're emotional trying to throw everything into every punch, not only can it throw you off balance and not let you execute to your fullest ability, but what else is it going to do? It's going to gas you the fuck out. So that was, in my, my mind, the uh, pivotal point in the fight where Justin Gaethje toned it back just a little bit, made it more of a... Um, you know, he was—he just wasn't trying to take him off with his head off with every single shot. Paced himself a little better, and wow! Out of all of the outcomes that we could have predicted, did any of us think that Justin Gaethje was going to be able to, you know, pace that power for uh, for five whole rounds? I mean, it was—it was miraculous. So, I don't know. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on it. Make sure to reach out to us as well as uh, let us know what you think about the upcoming fights. But of course, whenever these fights go on, we'd love to hear from you and hear your uh, feedback on what you thought of the night. So, um, officially, Justin Gaethje TKO's Tony Ferguson at 3 uh, minutes and 39 seconds of the fifth and final round. Back and forth. I mean, I still think, I don't know, what did you think about that stoppage? I thought that stoppage was a good stoppage. I mean, Tony, man, I've never seen, usually Tony's the one putting on beatings in clinics, and the guys that fight Tony are all bloody and beat up. And we saw Tony, not only was his face almost unrecognizable, uh, but his shins were even bleeding, man. that's a, That guy is just... Yeah. You know, and Gaethje, no blood, man. Just just a brick wall, man. Super surprised. He cut his finger. You could tell after the yeah. fight. Remember, he was like looking. He's like, is this yeah. my blood? Like, he was trying to figure it out. He had blood everywhere, yeah. but it was just out of, his cut finger. Out of that whole fight, just a cut finger. Maybe a little bit busted up his nose. Maybe tiny. Yes. But yeah, most of the blood all over him was Tony's. Yeah. Well, there was a couple times we saw Tony very, very wobbled, but he recovered really quickly, especially for getting it hit as hard as he did, uh, especially in the third round. And then um, He's he, not fucking he got human, he dude. got wobbled a few more times, man. And, and with no audience, you can really hear how loud every shot, how loud every shot throughout was. the whole night. But this oh. one in particular, holy shit! I mean, I give it up to Tony. What a hell of a fight, warrior, man. But um, I agree with the stop, bitch. After that other hit, he started shaking it off, kind of put his hand out there, shook his head, closed his eyes, wasn't really there. And you could see Gaethje kind of pulled off a little bit and looked at the ref, kind of like, okay, the ref's going to stop in. Like, this is not good. And then he was like, no, I'm just going to go back in. He didn't stop it. And one more hard jab, and the ref's like, we're done. Um, uh, that's when Tony started shaking it off and just just wasn't able to really defend himself. It was really at a position to where he was getting hit and just running. Moments from, like, a head kick or another shot yeah, that would have completely it, turned it, off the lights yeah, and, at that and, point. Yeah, and... Looking at him, the amount of damage he took, how he's shaking off his head. Now that we know it's a, a broken orbital, um, you guys don't know where he did break his orbital in that yeah. fight. So, one hundred percent. It's uh, it was a good call. Any more damage? Any more fractures? I mean, he's going to be in a lot of pain 
broken orbital, for sure concussed. Just like earlier, we'll uh, talk about that Nico Price. Uh, you called it, man. The second uh, Vincente Luque landed that. Beautiful. It's kind of a combination between like a left overhand and a left hook. It was just like a high arching left hook. Yeah. Dude, you're like, oh, that broken orbital. I yeah. heard the crunch of the bones uh, It was right bad, away. yeah. And, 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 and you notice how it hit Nico, and then he paused. Oh, yeah. And then he felt, same thing. Hit, yeah. hit, hit Ferguson, paused, shook his head. He was like, oh, snap, seeing double. And then... I just knew it was bad news. I knew there was a serious injury. It's the same thing like when Roy McDonald broke his orbital in his nose. Oh. He got hit so hard, right? Pause, drop. drop. And that, if you don't know, everyone that steps in there is a fucking tough person, tough guy or woman. You're tough. You can you have a very high pain threshold. So most times the most damaging injuring shots are going to be like that because you're like, boom. You're like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Oh, fuck. I'm not good. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was, a, it was a good stoppage. Tony took enough beating. Um you know, he either way. I think he was at a he was in a position. I saw the fight going. If Gaethje kept going, he would either dropped or been lights out, and it would have finished TKO regardless. I think with this call just saved Tony any more damage than he needed to take. He didn't need to take any more. Took enough. He was clearly losing towards the end. Um, I'm not saying he's not a warrior and could have come back, but it was highly unlikely. He was taking a lot of damage, and his health is more important than lights out and any more damage, especially you already got a broken orbital. Uh, we're glad it could have gone even worse. It could have gone from broken orbital to just completely fractured skull, um, just just from any more damage. So, you know, he's already got a fractured orbital, which is part of your skull. That continues to fracture. He becomes bigger. Then your next, you know, the forehead's fractured. It just... It saved him a lot of damage, even though it was already damaged enough. So, good. Yeah. I, I agree with the stoppage. I think it was a good stoppage. Yeah, to come back around to what you t- you mentioned the the bleeding of the shins, like both of them through. Um, uh, I don't know what just how to describe them, but very deliberate kicks is the way I like to describe <laughs> it. Like they throw their kicks, and it's it's literally that uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Kind of like Henry Cejudo was, was against Dominic Cruz, but you're kicking yeah. through the target. You're really not even trying to aim for the leg. You're trying to aim for behind it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, both of them threw their kicks with such deliberate uh, deliberateness. I don't know if that's a fucking word, uh, but it, like you said, that combined with the no crowd, just like every single one of the shots and the leg kicks were like thudding. Uh, uh, shout out to Tony Ferguson that fucking breakdancing move. The straight up like yeah. uh, Ninja Turtles sweep, straight up just swept the leg. That was great. Oh yeah, that was that was that was that was great, man. He was in the fight all the way to the very end, and it was just the got a little punch drunk, man, and, and it, it sucks. But man, Gaethje, he hits like a truck, and he, Tony Ferguson must have taken twenty, thirty plus hard, yeah. clean, loud shots. To yes, the skull. and Tony, you are a monster, man. And I, oh, Kukui, man. I hope you heal well, and I hope you come back. You know, you know. So there's, there's, there's so much more potential for you. Win one more fight, you know. Get that rematch. Depending on whether Gaethje beats Khabib, I think that's there's a lot of potential. So I hopefully he doesn't get discouraged. Maybe fight uh, Connor in the interim if he heals up fast enough. Like yeah, you're talking like about. yes, Connor and him would be great. Um, you know, I think Connor should win one more, and then whoever he faces, and then Tony comes back fights Connor because Tony was number two guy. Pretty well, him and Justin were pretty much tied. They fight. And Hopefully we'll have an wins, opportunity to talk ju- about that fight at one point, you know. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. And, uh, yeah, phenomenal fight. But Gaethje's uh, stamina was going to be my question. And if he fights like he did, like that against Khabib, it pulls back a little bit, keeps his distance, and uh, Khabib's going to have a tough night. Uh, it's going to be a tough fight. 
or it's you know, but that's another day to talk about it. Yeah. For, as of right now, congrats, Justin yeah, Gaethje. Yeah, congratulations on him and his entire team, and Tony Ferguson for that matter. I mean, the, he pretty much was in camp since November. He said he cut weight twice in two weeks, and he says that didn't have an effect on it. But I think he looks smaller and leaner, and um, you know, who knows if it had how much of an effect it had. But I, I definitely think it had somewhat of an effect. But um, congratulations to Justin Gaethje again, Tony Ferguson. You are truly El Kakui, brother. Basically, like you're hoping that the other person tries to put you away, gasses themselves out doing it, and then you're there smiling to finish them off at the end. Yeah. Justin Gaethje and Trevor Whitman decided to pull back a little bit, pace himself, because he hits like a truck even when he's not hitting as hard as he can, yeah. right? So that was able to accumulate enough damage. The attrition was ultimately what did it. And, yeah, dude, that, you know, Herb Dean, good job. Tony, we've never even seen him as much as really rocked. Even when he gets dropped, flash knockdowns here and there, he doesn't seem wobbled yeah. or rocked or, or you no, know, not balanced, right? So he was definitely fucked yeah. up. Um, he's, he's tough, too tough for his own fucking good. He would have kept going, you yeah. know. So good job with the stoppage. And it is what it is, you know. We got to see Justin Gaethje rise to the occasion and, and reach his potential, at least at this point. It was a beautiful performance. We got to enjoy it during this pandemic. But the cost of that was losing at least the immediate potential for, you know, Tony to ever fight Khabib. <laughs> yeah. But it yeah. is what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bless you. Thank you. I hope you guys enjoyed that fight. Um, speaking of which, we're going to move down talking about stoppages and talking about leg uh, kicks through, you know, and trying to kick both legs. Henry Hoof style. Henry Cejudo um, ends up TKOing Dominic Cruz at 4.58. Two seconds left in the second round. Like I agree with you in terms of the stoppage in the main event, I think we both agree that this, you know, we should have let this go at least two more seconds. One thing I wanted to touch yeah. on when you were talking about the Tony Justin fight is that, you know, as the fifth round, we have to take into consideration the ref does um, the the fighters that they're dealing with and the fact that, you know, the complexion of the fight up until that point. So that's why it's always a little bit more sour, I feel like, when it's early on in a fight or, in this case, um, before we got to see a third round, when there's a stoppage, it's controversial. It's like, dude, let us see the fight unfold and maybe have its back and forth kind of swings and momentum before before you take it from us. And then I'm going to let you touch on that, touch on the fight generally, and then uh, tell everybody about, like, the comments you were making about no-nonsense no Keith Peterson before and then yeah. how that coattails into what Dominic Cruz was saying afterwards. Well... Overall, the fight was uh, very entertaining up to it. Dominic looked good. We talked about, you know, him having ring rust, and he says it's not a thing, and he, it didn't show. For him, um, he's able to live it. You know, the tr- when it comes down to the decision made, he did eat 11 unanswered shots, but, but there was like two seconds left, and he was right at that moment making his way up, and he said that he was yelling to the referee, like, hey, let me go out. He was talking. He was, he was working his way through it. Um, you know, so I can see kind of – you know, if this wasn't like a big name fight and this wasn't Dominic Cruz and it wasn't his return, the ref probably would have stopped any other fight like that. But since it's Dominic Cruz, something in our heart wants us to be like, no, don't, don't let him go fight, out. Let Dominic him go Cruz, out. Yeah. You know, he just got back. He's getting up. He's not finished. You know, let it go a little longer, especially with 10 seconds left. The first thing I thought was like, oh, the ref's like going to let it go unless he knocks yeah, him out. Yeah, I thought he was waiting for the bell. Yeah, and, and, you know, and their little pitter patter shots. Dominic Cruz was kind of transitioning, trying to uh, make movements. He wasn't out yet, but he did take a lot of shots. I can see where it's going. You know, technically, is the call bad? Not quite because 11 unanswered shots is like all right you're getting hit too much we've seen people get hit less maybe six or seven times the rest of them are like oh you're done you're not really doing much but it sucks because at that very moment those last few seconds he was getting up and we, that that was at our point i think as watchers and as anyone spectating we realized that he, those shots weren't really hurting dominic like we expected or thought so they were pitter patter shots so he got up um so i think we realized that now like okay those shots really weren't that damaging and that's the bummer about it um 
But anyways, at the end of the fight, Dominic, uh, you know, contested it. Told said that he wanted the ref to let him go out. You know, if he especially after this long layoff and being a championship fight, understandable. Um, but then before the fight, I just said that every time I see No Nonsense, he's red, beat red, man, mm-hmm. and he just looks like angry. He's like a fucking alcoholic. Is he basically looks like what you an al- yeah, he looks like a, a a smokeaholic and an alcoholic, like just drinking beer and smoking cigarettes all day. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, the very next day, Dominic Cruz claims that. Keith smelled like cigarettes and alcohol. Yeah, he and says he smelled it earlier on in the night as well, or earlier on in like when he was entering the cage, yeah. and he was doing the in uh, just basically at the beginning. As soon as he was around him, he said, "Is there any way we can get another ref up in here?" He's not the biggest fan of him generally, but uh, yeah, man, and that's a pretty that's a pretty hefty accusation. And I don't, I know it's straight after a fight, you just lost your emotional, but I still, I just don't see Dominic Cruz being the kind of guy to make something like that up. I know, I don't either. Um. But uh, I know he's very smart, and he's he could also have a very good way of spinning things. And a potential yeah. to maybe try to appeal it, appeal and it. so he's maybe planting a seed there. I don't know. Yeah, yeah but, uh, you know, when you look at it, he still got caught with the knee. Yep. I uh, still went down. He 11, said that. 11, he said, I shouldn't have put myself in that position. Uh, yeah, you know? 11 unanswered punches. And if it wasn't a championship fight, most refs, I think, would have called it at that point. Uh, was there 10 seconds left? If I was a ref, I probably would have let it go on a little longer because I was like, oh, time, as long as he didn't go out. Yeah, you've seen people like wall walk, yeah. get caught again, and then drop again. Okay. Yeah. But you gave them the opportunity to get back to their feet. I, I, I you know, and that was a long 10 seconds. I was like, oh, they're going to call it. For real. <laughs> yeah, but it was longer than I expected. And then there was two seconds left. Damn. Yeah. So it's unfortunate, but at the end of the day, still got covered with the knee, still got dropped. There's 11 unanswered shots. It's debatable, but. We, as spectators, truly wish it went on longer. Dominic wished it went on longer. And I think Dana and other people wish it just went another round because Dominic was just getting warm. He was looking good. He's um, doing a lot better than a lot of people probably gave him credit for with that layoff, right? Oh, Saying the game had evolved, it eclipsed him. He wasn't you know, at the same uh, level as the game. Man, he put up a pretty damn competitive fight. And like you were saying, like he was, every fighter had, may take a little bit of yeah. uh, time to get warm in a fight. But with a three-and-a-half, almost four-year layoff, man, Dominic Cruz has the ability to just will himself to not think he's rusty and just get, start firing from the beginning. He wasn't too gun-shy. Yeah. Uh, I was proud of his performance, and, and I would have liked to see a third round, but it is what it is. Um, I think it actually, in the end, worked out the best for everybody because <clears throat> Dominic Cruz, you know, Go, comes away looking like he'd look pretty damn good for his layoff and still at the top of the game, even in a loss. And then the people who love Henry are, are very happy with the outcome. And then the people who hate Henry and hate Triple Cringe are also happy with the outcome. Because he's gone. Because he fucking <laughs> retired after the fight. Or but, they hate him even more because he never lost. Right. So he, he leaves the Cringe King and the two the two division champion uh, they, and uh, Olympic gold medalist. They uh, hate us because they ain't uh, us. Oh, my gosh. No, but he, he basically, I think... He's like, okay, GSP, people don't give him credit for this, but I think GSP was the first person to take Floyd Mayweather's blueprint of, okay, I'm getting up there in age, I've had a lot of success, I want to protect my record, my legacy, and I don't want to fight three, four, five times a year, I have enough money. It's So I think he's, George St. Pierre in, in this case, has been, been able to step away, quote-unquote, not retire, but step away from the game, and then occasionally when the stars align, like the Michael Bisming situation, maybe be provoked, and then in this case have leverage to be called back by the organization to put together a big money fight or something like that, right? I think Henry, give, listening to this post-fight press conference, is willing to move on. He did that after the Olympics in wrestling, but he also understands it positions him really strong uh, negotiations-wise, and so Dana White in the UFC doesn't like to get leverage. So in the UFC post 
post-fight press conference, Dana White's like, yep, it's Peter Yan versus someone. We're going to get that fight together right away. He wants to try to kind of move on, get the title reshuffled yeah. so that, you know, it, there's not as much pressure uh, to maybe potentially pay Henry more to come back to fight someone, right? So I think Henry's smart. I think he is willing to move on if that's the way it works out, but he also is trying to do it in a way um, to position himself to potentially be willed back later for a big money fight. That's what I think. Yeah. Uh, no, I agree. There's, you know, there's so many ways he can play it, but uh, like like, like Henry was talking to his coaches earlier, and it's been speculated that he thinks he can go to the Olympics again. Oh, yeah, that's right. And that would be, he'd be the first two-time person, like, to, to, to take a lie off. Bec- that would be epic if he were to not only get in the UFC, be a two-time division champion or a double two-division champion, Olympic gold medalist, leave retired as a two-time champion on top, and then... Go for the Olympic team again against these young bucks, make it on the team, and win another gold medal. If he were to do that, he would be, without a doubt, I think one of the best athletes in sports history. Yeah, and he already calls himself the best uh, combat sports athlete. Combat, he definitely the combat sports Technique, or when you look at like technical, we were talking about this the other day, like if you say, oh, well, this guy's undefeated in the UFC, that little tagline, in the UFC, makes that sentence true, right? So when you categorize it as combat sports athlete, I mean, accolades-wise, I think he's got it, you know? And he even gave credit to Demetrius Johnson in the Mm -hmm. post-fight press conference and said, look, he tried to kind of explain the separation of the two terms. He's like, and if you ask me who's the best mixed martial artist of all time, he considered that to be DJ, which is why it's one of his most coveted wins. Yeah, and that fight was extremely, extremely close. Oh, yeah. I think the UFC just wanted him out, really. So possible. Um, but that Henry John fight, Dawson. Henry did win it very slightly. It was very, very close. But um, you know, like, but look at his resume was, now. Yeah. You can't really, com- you can't talk shit on it when you look at it on no. paper. You know what I mean? No, you can't. Dominic Cruz, uh, Marlon Moraes, TJ Dillashaw, DJ. Yeah. You know, in a row, back to back. So. Two division champ. Yeah, you know, good for him. But this is—it's not really my argument. But he is the two division champ. But the guys that he's facing have, have been in the industry a long, long time. Oh, I get it. You know, that's so another reason that's why the retirement, like the Peter Yons and these guys coming up, like those same guys, with GSP. those guys, those Fuck, guys, dude, the, these sharks are coming. Those like, guys are dangerous for Henry. Oh, these yeah. new guys, you know, it's just that you know, Dominic and then well, TJ has been in his wars. Dominic has been in his war. He's a veteran, you know. Um, so and also has a lot of injuries and uh, no for sure he, he somewhat I mean he was trying to call it Jose Aldo then Dom Cruz he was somewhat Aldo trying to handpick those the, opponents. My whole point is these guys are old and, and they're vets, but they've take they they've been in the game a long time. That's why you market it as a legend killing tour. Yeah, but you know mm-hmm. like the same thing with Anthony Smith. The, the, yeah, he's a legend killer, but like when's the last time Shogun, like Shogun, Shogun yeah. like Shogun and Rashad Evans like put on like a, a, a crazy win streak or performance. Like they were at like the end of their career. Like they were just slowing down. Yeah. So it's You're just uh, seeing through the hype. I mean the UFC hype train, yeah. the marketing ability of Henry Cejudo. Um and he I mean you've seen him talk in, in kind of candid situations. Yeah. It's a it's an act. It's a it's a character and, and it's done what it's done to help excel people you yeah. know, his career and make people want to see him get knocked out and all these other things. But you know, he He's doing what he had to do to yeah. add to his physical abilities and, and make himself more yeah. marketable. But it, that's all it is, and I hate to say that, but you're you're pointing out that 
we all kind of get kind of caught up in this hype and these um, these promo videos they put. And then when you look at the record on paper, right? And in five, ten years, when you look back, you're going to see Dom. You're going to see these names. You're going to see this record. You're not going to put in context the fact that they were kind of the over the hill legends on their way out, right? Um, so it is it is what it is. And the UFC does this in waves, right? Yeah. They market people, and and then people who really know the game know. Yeah. Well, Corey Sanhagen's down here. No one wants to fight him, and he's not even in the top five. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it that kind of happens, and then so Henry recognizing the landscape recognizing his his legacy and resume is like all right cool i ain't trying to face these fools and well, I'm he doesn't good. happen you know yeah henry i'm not saying henry is like chasing beat up beat beat downs or you know or, or losers no, no yeah. these guys are the top of the division he smokes them i smoked tj um and then tj busted for for uh steroids epo or epo yeah um, so, but Henry overall, he's beaten the best in the division. They were at the top of the division and he started from the bottom, beat everyone there too. Um, so regarding who's in the division, he made his, you know, he, he already made his way to the top. He got the belts. He did in his time. Sure. He did his thing. But you would right? like to see a reign where he faces these, you know, new young up and comers, play yeah. King of the Hill, send them back down and say, look, there's a reason I'm the top in the king, yeah. right? You know, but, um, he, he's, he's the best. He, he accomplished two times. You know, two different championships. He's Olympic gold medalist. He actually defended both he defended belts at both least belts. once. Um, and uh, he's beaten the best in the division. Um, so, you know, he did it. And he, that's the right thing to do. He accomplished his goals. He completed it. Why risk your reputation? Leave on top. Did the smart thing. Don't be money hungry. Don't let money. He, he did it for the passion of being a champion, not for the passion of money. I'm sure money's a, a huge benefit. But, um... I'm I'm curious to see where the division goes because Henry I think was a staple of that division, a real good uh, selling point. He was doing very well. Everyone wanted to see him win or lose, um, and now he's gone. So now we're gonna have to find a new cringe king, I guess. Yeah, so. and we'll see if Dominic Cruz continues to fight. The stars kind of aligned, and he said his body just happened to feel great. He was wasn't there any Put Cruz injuries. against Peter Yan. Oh damn, I'm scared. I'd be terrified for him. Right. Um, well. Let's do it. Well, for Henry's sake, like you said, he kind of did it the right way in terms of his career. Shout out to Israel Adesanya. He says, I'm not here for a long time. I'm here for a good time. And speaking of something else that wasn't here for a long time, the fight between <laughs> Francis Ngannou yeah. and Jarzinho Rosenstrike. I remember I was listening back to last week's uh, episode 27 when we broke down uh, these fights. <clears throat> and I gave Jarzinho credit for, you know, kind of being overlooked and his uh, kickboxing background and, and his mentality, man. He just kind of stone, stone cold face, doesn't seem to get bothered by anything or shaken. Holy shit, Francis Ngannou, I said this last night, it felt like he was like in a situation where he was just pissed off at his little brother and he, he just wanted he to like... He hated him. He hated dude, him. Dude, he walked straight through. Jarzinho Rosenstruck, shouts to Luke Thomas, was backing up, eyes clear, seeing uh, Francis coming in, tried to counter inside leg kick, tried to counter right hook, tried to counter, but he was moving back in a straight line, hit the cage, and the two shots that did land on Francis were like flies on a... On a you know what I mean? Yeah. It didn't mean a shit to him. And Francis... I don't know if it was three or four missed shots, but that left hook that landed yes. was all that was needed. Yeah, man. the first overhand right, he was completely off balance. He just kept coming forward. What caught Rosenstreak uh, is that uh, while he was stepping backwards, he did do the inside kick. He stayed tight, but his chin went up in the air. He leaned back. His left hand was down. Um, then he hit the cage and was didn't yeah. have lateral movement. Well, at he that got point. hit. He got hit with a, a tight left hook on the chin before he hit the cage, and then he hit the chick. The chick. Then he hit the cage again, and as soon as he hit the cage, he was already falling, and folded his leg, folded, and oh. he got hit with three more. Um, hey, don't. Hey, Francis Ngannou's combination to get in there was wild. 
dangerous and wild, but it worked. That's all I can say. It was wild and dangerous, and unfortunately, uh, Jarzinho, <laughs> I try to pronounce his name correct. I'll just call him Rosebud. Um, <laughs> he, he was leaning back. He left inside kick, but he was leaning back. His chin was a little high. Um, and uh, he got caught on the chin, and that's uh, the one thing about moving backwards. Is you you got to move laterally, dude. Yeah. Move and back a little bit, but especially yeah. with a cage behind you, you can't be, yeah. you're going to get stuck. And it's okay if you move back straight, but you need to have your chin down and have a high guard, mm-hmm. and, and then and then not never have your chin up in any situation, especially when you're going just straight back. Yeah. So, unfortunately, he got caught, and Francis came in hard, and Francis, yeah, Francis was upset because this guy called him out. I've never seen Francis, you know, uh, I've never seen Francis angry like that. That, like you said, it was him straight up. Like, I'm just gonna kill you. And it went from being tight, like jab, yeah. right kick, yeah. jab, inside kick. Like both of them throwing tight to combinations, looking really this. tight. I'm over and then this. out of nowhere, Francis just like, Rah! yeah, and just like destroyed him. Well, shouts to Rosenstreich. Like he, he, he was countering. Like like we've been taught. Looked, yeah, Someone throws tight. a jab at us, you parry it inside leg kick. You know, mm-hmm. he was trying to keep it on the outside and technical. And Francis is like, fuck that noise. If that's if that's a, you know how he's gonna do this, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna close that distance and fuck yeah. that noise. Yeah, and as the, remember, guys, as as the like from a fighting or a coaching standpoint, as a guy closes the distance, you don't want to lean back or get stuck on your back leg. If anything, you want to lean forward and and get more of like a I guess you could say a hunched boxing stance or kickboxing stance. But you want to have your chin down and lean forward to make yourself tighter. You don't want to get longer. You don't want to lean back because then your chin gets exposed. And when a guy's coming in throwing wild hooks, if your chin is up. It, it, the percentage of it getting hit and you going to sleep because the money spot's right there, yep. right at the tip of the chin. I'm yep. telling you, there's a nerve goes right to your brain, shuts you off, shuts your lights off. And then people, most 90% of people that, you know, you have to be pretty damn technically savvy to be able to uh, maintain power in your counters while moving backwards. Yes. I mean, you know, maybe you'll want one or yeah. two strikes in your arsenal you'll just naturally be good at even going backwards. But yeah. for the most part, it's, it's, it's hard. So you want right. to almost just brace yourself be a, a heavy target, lean forward, yeah. and, and not be... If anything, close the distance. Yeah, exactly. And then in clinch, and, and you're in a better safe place than having your chin up. And I understand, dude, it's a big... Francis is a big dude coming at you. How often do you think Rosenstruck's looking up at a guy that's that much bigger than him, too? Never. You know what I mean? You know? <laughs> unless he's pulling, unless he's asking Stefan Shrove to come spar him. Fuck. You know? But, uh, and then it was scary seeing... Uh, Rosenstruck trying to trying to get up. Oh, like he, was, he was he down was for like, a while. Yeah. And Francis even got concerned. I was concerned. I was like, man, this guy is hurt. Hey, you want to see a dead body? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Remember, you showed me... Uh, <laughs> nice, I picked the right one. That's Straight exactly up. the one and I wanted. And know what's funny is, yeah, we did a soundboard with all of Ivan and, and uh, Dustin's uh, famous sayings, but I thought <laughs> this one was perfect because Francis was like, this guy called me out, and the first thing I thought Francis was thinking is, not even down. <laughs> <laughs> You're not even down. <laughs> like, like. Not even down. <laughs> nice. Not he, he wasn't. He wasn't down. Uh, like. Uh, you think was you're like, down, but he, you ain't Rose down. thought he was he was down, but then <laughs> apparently he wasn't. I mean, he was down, but within 20 seconds. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, that's how it ended. I mean, Rosenstruck, you got a lot of balls. You got in there. You just got caught on your back leg. You were you were a little too. You know, your chin was in the air. You got caught with some wild punches. It happens. Oh, man. Damn. But, like, uh, okay, I wanted to talk about this. So, Francis, this this 20-second knockout, his last, you know, the rematch against Curtis Blades, he basically knocked him out like he did the first fight. Um, and then, uh, fuck, who did he fight before that? I can't remember, but it was a very short... Oh, JDS, uh, Junior Dos Santos. Santos. So, they're all first-round finishes. They're all, you know, pretty much the first car crash of the entire fight. And then there are some, you know... 
defensive liabilities to say the least in terms of Francis. And even though he's getting the job done, it's like, holy shit. Like, I feel like if he fought Stipe again and, and someone who was, you know, the elite a good of striker, the elite, he would get caught there. You know what he, I'm saying? He would have gotten caught and he wouldn't be able to throw wild stuff like that. Well, you don't know how much the, the, um, worry about what, how much what's power coming, is coming, what's coming, could affect that's even exactly a great striker. Happened. And you that's a I mean? lot of people lean back and kind of flinching and like just try to check hook or low kick because of the fact that they're 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 Just they're pressured these so much. Ham hocks at you, you know. And uh, sometimes, and unfortunately, it's leaning back and getting stuck in your back leg is like a big no no. But it, you know, it happens almost all the time. Even though I know it's a big no no, I've been caught. It's an instinctual been, thing. It's an instinctual would, yeah. thing, and you know, and it's unfortunate. So. But uh, yeah, it's a uh, that was uh, uh hopefully Francis. I would like to see Francis a little tighter next time. Hopefully he fights a little less angry because Francis is a, is a, a powerhouse and he's got a lot of he's been increasing and learning a lot. He's very he, technical. He when says he Tyson's his influence, you yeah. know. And you see him doing these Tyson combinations. I'd like to see him fight tight and, and like that. He'd be a monster for sure. Um, so hopefully when he when he fights Stipe next, he's a little more tight and calculated. Doesn't fight with anger. Anger worked in this situation for sure. But most times it doesn't. But most times it doesn't. And he was very exposed. So was it luck? Quite maybe. But but at the same time, it was also Francis just like you know what, hundred percent confidence. I'm going to destroy you, and it worked. But um. Francis, I know, will look back and his coach will probably even tell him, like, hey, man, it you got worked. got lucky here, bro. It, it worked, and you killed him, but, like, be careful because you were really exposed. Yeah. And they'll laugh about it, and then they'll make sure it doesn't happen again, I'm sure. Yeah. I know. They're, he's a high level, and we've seen him tight and calculated. So, so anything. There's something driving Francis right now. I've never seen Francis fight like that. Like, but, with that kind of anger. He's usually a really nice, quiet guy. But, dude, his, his voice is so soft. It's it's so terrifying how soft it is. I just took a man's head off, and now I talk, like, really soft. Yeah, so. It's, it's, it's fucking weird to see someone that physically daunting with that soft of a voice. Yeah, so. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I, I look forward to seeing him fight again. I want to see how much he's actually grown. I didn't have a chance to see... Uh, you know, much. So. We know you know what it's like though to get like, um, w- like worried in a fight. Like you, you throw something and it misses, and you're like, oh fuck, and you get you like almost like panic, right? So shout to Weasel, the the Weasel is his name on YouTube. He does a great breakdown. Um, his MMA UFC related podcast. Um, I he kind of showed it frame by frame. I think that overhand right, he committed to a lot and then missed it, and he felt off balance and he got worried, and so he just continued to flurry and, and rush forward at that point. And like you said, it was kind of ill advised, but it ended up working out. But I think if you watch it back, it's like when he committed to that overhand and then missed, he was like, "Oh fuck!" And, yeah, and then he just kind of tried to keep going. You know what I'm saying? And it worked. Yeah. <laughs> All right. It well, worked. that takes us to the next one, guys. This was another amazing yes. fight. So many great fights on the card. It was. It lived up. Uh, to the hype for sure. Jeremy Stevens gets TKO'd for the first oh. time in his career at 249 of round two. Calvin Cater's step-in elbow started it all off. Why don't you break it down for us? Wow. Um, the fight started off tight. You know, some. You know, Jeremy started off with some hard kicks. Um, he seemed pissed and like he was just walking him down. Yeah, some hard kicks. He was really applying good pressure. He looked healthy. Uh, but, you know, overall, Cal- Cater was able to defend a lot of shots. Uh, took a few leg kicks, but then he started to, to check and be a little more defensive. And throw back. And throw back. Yeah. But, man, when he started throwing his boxing combinations, just like hook, cross, uppercut, cross, bing, 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 all of it landed in accuracy. He had a really good um, jab to the body throughout the fight. So he's yeah. jab head, jab body, stick and move, really good stick and move. Um, and, and for the first round, he was, like, throwing his right hand, like, one, one, two, like, but not with full power, but just picking his shots, enough to sting Jeremy. 
And then he really opened up in his boxing in the second round. Yeah, I mean, did. he was just so confident with his boxing um, and really just outclassed Steven in the boxing area and landed a very sharp right hand and put him down. In, the in right the, elbow, remember? I'm sorry, yeah, left hook, right elbow. As Steven was throwing, Stevens was coming in with a combination of his own, and then uh, that's a beautiful setup. He said uh, Calvin even said he's working with his tie coach on the elbow, and just uh, I thought it was from the angle. It was a, a nice tight right hand. Yeah. But, but not only did he land that nice tight elbow from a left hook to right elbow well, Jeremy Stevens was coming in. The cool thing about that combination is when a guy steps in hard like that, the left hook, the left hook, boom, hits uh, Jeremy on the right side of his guard and all actually turns Jeremy at the right angle to be directly face forward to that right side, whatever's being thrown. So the left hook not only gets him stuck and plants makes Jeremy plant all his weight on his feet, but turns Jeremy slightly towards the elbow. So just right down the pipe, set up a beautiful elbow, dropped him, and as soon as Jeremy hit the ground, you know, ground and pound, left elbow, cut him, and then finished with like one or two strikes. And uh, it was a that was a fat cut. Yeah, a, that left elbow cut, on the man. ground sliced him up. He, yeah. Him and Dominic Cruz both um, took a hard on. on a, that's kind of ironic because they come from the same gym here in San Diego, but uh, and they train alongside each other. But they both took a really hard shot and were who, who Stevens and Cruz. Yeah, they both trained I didn't in know San that. Diego. Yeah, so at Alliance. Yeah, so you know that's uh, that's Dominic's gym, right? Yeah. It, okay. We, well, he's part uh, with the I can't think uh, Del Fierro, his main uh, coach. Okay. Is, it's his gym, uh, but he. Um, so you know what it's like when you get fucking almost knocked out, but you're still uh, awake and your eyes yes. are like wide open mm-hmm. and you're kind of stiff, but you can still move, but you're kind of stiff, mm-hmm. can't move that well. So Jeremy was on the ground, his hands arms both like to his chest and like kind of like stuck, yes. like he was, you know, frozen for lack of a better yeah. word, eyes wide open. And then as soon as Cater started like trying to get on top and start pounding him, Jeremy was kind of starting to come back to life and he didn't have enough time to before Cater um, landed that left elbow, before he could kind of get his hands up to his face. And at that point, it was just survival mode. And um, I'm trying to think, um, like, and Josh Rosenthal was the judge for that one, and he's a great judge. He was, like, standing over Jeremy, looking at his eyes, making sure that, you know, he was still out of it. And then yeah. he called it, and it was a yeah, good stoppage. Good stoppage. But overall, guys, good fight. <laughs> Uh, if you guys weren't aware, Jeremy did miss weight by four and a half pounds. He yes. came in at 150.5, and Calvin came in at 146.5. Um, so but, because uh, of that, and the state, just the little details, is if you go over five pounds bigger than your opponent, most states will scrap the fight. So they had to make, this was technically a catch weight. It says featherweight here. So Calvin te- came in at 146. Well, you can still have the one pound allowance at 145 if it's not a title fight, mm-hmm. so you can go 146. But you wouldn't have normally been able to go 146.5. But it, they made it a catch weight at 150 total. That's how Jeremy technically was still allowed to fight. Yeah. So then Calvin technically could have weighed more. Yeah. But he was already cut weight. And sometimes, you know, I'd like to say the universe plays a favor, man. You know, when you come in and miss weight, sometimes, it, you know, karma. So it was crazy. That could have been that. But overall, you know, Jeremy Stevens has had a few losses here. Um, and uh, it's unfortunate because I think he's got excellent striking and good kickboxing. I, I he, But he fights very haymaker. He, he wants to finish too much. And, he's, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he always brings a war. But I think sometimes if he could step back and calculate a little bit because he's starting to face. He's really good and he's, he's very good. technical at the beginning before yes. he you know opens up and gets all crazy. Yeah, but then he gets into exchanges and then he gets hit a little bit and then he throws a hard one back and then he gets caught and then usually that's how the fights are ending. And it's unfortunate. So I'd like to see Jeremy kind of like a Gaethje pull back a little bit. Sure. Pick your shots, score your points. Learn and, a bit, a little bit from the main event. You know, and um, and just slow down a little bit because he got great striking, good, great kicks. I like, you know, and he's got great power. It's just, uh, 
maybe he just gets a little tired towards the middle or he gets a little angry and he just throws what's natural to him. Yeah. And then he starts the IQ. Like we talked about the IQ. I think we talked about this last time. The IQ goes away and he fights with a little bit of anger and starts getting out boxed. And Calvin Cater being an ex-boxer uh, just played in his favor. And, yeah. he, and I'm excited to see Calvin fight more. I think he's more of a threat than we realize. So. Oh, hell yeah. Like he says, just scratching the surface, right? And last thing I'll say about Jeremy Stevens is I'm a big fan of his. He's been around forever. Uh, he's a veteran of the sport. He's actually gotten better in this later part of his career. Uh, those technical abilities, even though he doesn't keep them throughout the entirety of a fight, you know, he's definitely shored those abilities up. Um, a couple different things I want to mention, though. This is one of those things. I talked about it last episode where the UFC conveniently puts the record of them, their full MMA record or their UFC record, just depending on what kind of narrative they want to put forth. Jeremy Stevens, unfortunately, has more losses in the UFC than he does wins, but it's because he fights everybody. He'll take on any tough challenge. I mean, he fought Zabi, he fought uh, Yaya Rodriguez. I mean, he's been around the game for so long, but he will not um, you know, fight anybody other than the top talent in the division. And he, he knowingly, he knows that Dana White likes his style and likes his approach and knows it's exciting. And so Dana White isn't going to cut him for a loss as long as he continues to come out and fight like that. That's exciting, right? So um, the UFC record, I don't know exactly what it is right now, uh, but it, he definitely has more losses than wins, unfortunately. Mm. But it shows his entire MMA record because it doesn't want you to think that he's like, you know, a less than 500 fighter. So his entire MMA record, he's still positive at 28 and 18. And one no contest. Yeah. So it's one of those things like I love Jeremy Stevens, but if that no contest was with Yair, wasn't it? I believe so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, if he spent a few extra minutes in the sauna instead of the fucking tanning booth, I think he would have made weight. <laughs> this fool was so dark. Jeez. And I love him, but I mean, it's facts are facts. So moving on, another heavyweight fight earlier on the card that I totally did not think was going to go out three rounds, which did. Greg Hardy takes on Jorgen DeCastro. Um, Jorgen in the second round, I believe it was, broke his foot on a checked kick. And this brings up one other thing we wanted to talk about. We haven't even mentioned about the fact that it was an empty arena and how that kind of played into things. Everyone could hear Daniel Cormier. Yes, everyone could hear everything. You better start checking those kicks. Yeah, so Daniel Cormier on the commentary, they was credited with multiple fighters saying that they could hear him during his fight. I mean, fuck our coaches, I guess, right? They're yelling instructions and stuff. But whatever Daniel Cormier was saying that they listened to seemed to you know pay dividends for them in the fight. Yeah. So um, Greg Hardy even told him he heard better check those kicks stuck out his leg to check a kick broke Jorgen Castro's foot because he was yeah. short on it and the rest was history Jorgen just didn't want to exchange after yeah. that Jorgen started out really good he started out solid strong kicks man short stocky little he had good striking I think he's got better striking than we all expect but he couldn't really showcase it after he broke his foot um, but he was still moving decent the he other, threw it a couple the, times yeah the even. few rounds I just feel like he he might be one of those people that when he's injured, he doesn't want to risk ruining his career, so he'll just coast the fight, take I the guess. loss, and then try to get better and, and not make it worse. That's the only thing I can think, but at the beginning of the fight, he was like throwing heat. He had great movement. He was light on his feet. Um, but we don't know how much it hurt and how, how bad it really affected him. But at the end of the day, Greg Hardy was able, once he Jorgen, uh, slowed down his activity, his foot, Greg Hardy pretty much just outpointed him the whole yep. time. And uh, Greg Hardy took advantage of it. And uh, great job, Greg. I mean, you, sometimes all you need to win a fight is a check. You're, sometimes your defense is your best Your defense is your best offense. And then activity after that. When he, yeah, you know, when he Jordan slowed active. down, Greg Hardy just kept doing stuff. I mean, he wasn't, you know, it's I don't know what Jordan like his, really didn't do. Like anything much after, after that, like yeah, nothing. I don't know what Greg Hardy's signature offense is yet. You know, when like most people, it's like okay, they got a good overhand right, or they got a good this or a good that. I don't know what he's ex- excels his at. His offense you know? is his size. I think his size really and athleticism. Just, and yeah, athleticism for how big he just is. keeps people at bay. 
Um, and to Jorgen's point, like we talked about in the breakdown episode, like they, they, both these guys were so fucking athletic for how huge they were. Yes. They were moving so fast. It was just interesting to see him completely shut down because, I mean, I don't necessarily ascribe to this hard-headed mentality during, like, training when you're not in camp because if you have an injury, you need to let that shit heal or it never will. But in a fight, we are trained. We have eight weapons minimum. In mixed martial arts, you even have more. If you damage one of your weapons, okay, you have seven other weapons yeah. that you can execute on. Yeah, he so didn't even box much. It was he, weird. You know, it was just... Yeah, it was weird, but I mean, yeah. worked out for Greg Hardy. It was still, a, you know, a relatively exciting fight. Two big boys moving around like that. Yeah. Um, at, you know, it, it was cool, but it, it definitely. I thought it wasn't even going to go three rounds, yeah. and then it, ultimately Greg Hardy pulls out a decision. So, um, and then we're going to move down the rest of these pretty quick, and then we're going to spend a little bit of time on the Pettis Cowboy fight because you know, although it was a beautiful fight, and I even said this on Twitter and got retweeted multiple times, is that this is one of those fights, man. I just. I didn't want either of them to win, uh, to lose, rather. Yeah. And I got my wish. You know, granted, on the score, or on the record books, you know, and money, maybe show and win bonus, I think Cowboy gets paid a flat fee anyways. So I, I think technically, you know, we came away with neither of them winning. Both their stock went up. We'll talk about that a little bit more at length in a second. But Alexi Olenek ends up uh, gutting out a decision against Fabricio Very Verdum. close fight. I don't have much to say about this fight other than uh, Olenek was just, the first round was much more active. Uh, Fabricio had a hard time keeping up with the pace. Then towards the the second and third round, I think Fabricio looked a little more fresh, and but uh, Olenek was doing enough to just outscore and outpoint him, just do a little more. Just be a little busy, busier. Uh, I think the first round was really. It was, this was a split decision. I no, it was decision, uh, which was surprising to me. Um, I just I think Olenek looked in better shape than he normally does. Yeah, he and for Bru- Fabricio Berdoum, we gave him way too much credit, credit. in terms Slow of coming start. back off his lay- yeah. layoff. He didn't look in great physical condition. Uh, he definitely had some ring rust sl- started slow, like you're saying. So um, put all that together, ends up Olenek just out you know out hustling him pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you know those exchanges on the ground ver- was when Verdum had his most success, and you could tell like as much but of a good was, grappler Olenek is, like Fabricio was outclassing him, but. He just didn't have the conditioning, yeah. to, you know, to really execute a finish. To yeah, it was more just transition, mm-hmm. transition, transition. He did have, I think he did try a few, uh, uh, he tried to go for a couple submissions, didn't quite get him locked in. And then, uh, you know, I wish, I think he could have had a better chance of winning if he did some more, so maybe some striking on the ground, try to strike and punch a little more. Instead of just do straight he, jiu-jitsu yeah. or striking on you his know, feet. You know, he just yeah. seemed a little bit, behind the, the the pace and yeah. that's it you know he he was able to keep up i think he just had some some but that's what here, it was I would say it was some him keeping rust. up like off you know his back was on the fence yeah. he was blocking a lot he he had yeah. a little bit of success with that like uh, plum type ty- the tie plum with his yeah knees. he had yeah he had some good knees in the clinch but. and um, just couldn't finish him and couldn't get it done. And uh, I thought it was still very, very close. I thought it could have gone either way. But uh, the first round, I think, was really the deciding factor in this fight. Olenek was just applying a lot of pressure, and, and Verdun didn't have a lot of answers. So I mean, great win for Alexi Olenek, beating the only guy that's beaten Bigfoot Silva, Fedor, and the like. You know what I mean? So oh, um, yeah. like we talked about with Domin- or with Henry earlier, when you look on paper, even if it's a year removed, you kind of forget the context. So that's a great scalp to put on his resume. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Congrats to him. Hopefully, Verdum, you know, we don't know. There's a lot of there's a cloud hanging over him, too, because the reason he's been gone for two years is because he was on PED suspension. So there's people that saying without that PED, he's mm-hmm. not performing. So there's a lot of things that go yeah. into it. But it just, you know, it was it was a lackluster fight. It was what it was. I mean, with all the other fights on the card, context, it was considered maybe lackluster, but yeah. it's still a good fight. It's yeah. a heavyweight fight. You know, it's it, what, the heavyweight fights usually go two ways. It's either uh, a slobber knocker, and yeah. it's like 
within the first round, it's a knockout, and it's like, heck yeah. Or it's like by the second round, both of them are gassed, and they're both just trying to survive. <laughs> That's usually how it goes. Yeah. A yeah. fight that doesn't go that way is women's straw weight, weight division-wise. Carla Esparza actually grinds out the win uh, against Michelle Watterson. This one was the split one that was decision. a split decision. Yeah. You and I both picked Michelle um, in our preview breakdown show. Um, I'm not going to argue with this because it was a split decision because – Carla actually did execute pretty good in terms of what she, her game plan was. She was we, we called the, it out. We knew was, what she wanted to do. She was an aggressor, too. I yeah. think she's more of an aggressor. And um, uh, how many takes down, takedowns did she get? I'm not sure. I think Can at you least. click on it? I know she took down. This is the thing. The first round had almost no action. Um, I was making a joke that they were, you know, almost shadow boxing. I, I tweeted out that, is this the new normal social distance yes. fighting? Because, you know, they were sh- sh- jabbing and doing other things way on the outside to the point. There's like two, three feet in between them. Like, I understand if you're the longer fighter or the fighter that wants to keep it on the outside, you might throw out some feints or throw out some things when the opponent's not right there. But this is different. They were literally fighting with like two, three feet in between yes. them for the first round. So because of that... Even on the even on the feet, barely any striking at all. At all, and then Carla gets the takedown towards the end of the round. So I yeah. feel like that seals the first round, and then it was relatively even the rest of the way. Yeah. So. So, well, congrats, Carla. Um, I thought Michelle was big win for Carla. Yeah, Michelle. Uh, Michelle just got done facing Joanna, and I thought you know that was a huge test for her, and she went all five rounds, and it was and it and it was. It was it was pretty one sided, but it was, still it was somewhat competitive. It was competitive, so yeah. I expected Michelle to still have that competitive nature. Um, I think she was too cautious. She stayed out too much. She didn't strike too much. She was too worried about Carla's wrestling, and I think at the end of the day, sure. that held her back from being able to to really uh, let loose. And yeah. uh, sometimes you can't. Sometimes you need to trust in your ground, and you got to score those points. And Carla was just the aggressor, a little bit more ahead, and swayed the judge's decision. So maybe Carla's wrestling is is much stronger than we all. Think we just haven't seen her fight a lot in the and since Joanna the loss in Joanna and she's just kind of getting back into it so yeah well, well s- Carla if you look at her body from that loss to Joanna I know it was a lot of years ago but to now she's definitely put on a lot of muscle mass like I think her style her approach it's one of those that like even their opponent knows generally what her game plan is going to be but you know she's had success and they can't stop it right so she's just persistent and diligent right I think my complaint in terms of it not being as exciting is because when she does execute great wrestling and um, top control, she just doesn't, um, she's not very active in terms of her ground and pound in a devastating fashion. So, I mean, I'm sitting here Monday morning quarterbacking on a couch, so I can't really talk too much shit. She's actually there fighting in the UFC and having success. So, yeah. congratulations to her. She executed a game plan. You know, good good win for her. And if you look at everyone she's beaten that division now with Michelle Waterson, it's like I'm almost nervous for her that the only other person she can go up against now is a rematch with Ioana. Yeah. And I don't necessarily think she's ready for that. Well, well, no, not Ioana. Well, yeah, Ioana. Yeah, and all then, the way back, full and, circle. And full <laughs> circle. That would be potentially the next fight. And then whoever, win, whoever wins that is going to face... Um, what's her name? Wiley Zhang. Yeah, and then uh, it might it could be Joanna again. Joanna's just getting title shot after rematch after rematch after title That's match. What happens when you claim and dominate the division for so long? That's yeah. one of the reasons she wanted to go back to strawweight and be the queen. You know, is because at that point she would have kind of cleaned it out all the way, and there would have yeah. been no one else to fight. So it makes sense for her to transition up to one twenty five. But yeah, all right. Well, good job, Carla. Um, good win. Uh, moving on. Okay. So another great fight, another exciting fight that lives up to it. I picked Nico Price in the predictions challenge, and it didn't come, uh, didn't come through, man. Vincente Luque's technical ability—he's a fucking savage. He just bite downs. He likes the—he likes a war. And what did he say in his post-fight press conference too? It's like he's working on head movement, trying not to get hit as much. But then, you know, he got into a brawl, and he just said, "Fuck it," pretty much. Yeah, he just said he was trying to show it 
that he was working on his head movement and stuff, but he just didn't do it. But I don't know what he's talking about because he won by knockout in the third round. So I thought he looked great. I thought, you know, Nico has uh, very long arms and very awkward punches, but he's he hits hard. You can tell he hits and he's game. And he fights in the pocket, and he and this fight was great. It was in the pocket pretty much the whole time. It's wild and unorthodox. People that are technically yeah. better than you don't expect you to throw it from a certain angle because it's not right. Yeah. But the one thing I can point out is Vincente Luque had a high guard almost the whole time. Yep. Very high defensive. He's got a really nice tight high guard, and that's super important, especially with four-ounce gloves. I call him mini Shogun, and man. He, He's super technical. And he, I like him. And he was sharp. He's very sharp. And, you know, he finishes with a sharp right hand. Uh, you know, or, or sharp overhand right hook slash right hand. It caught him right on the, or was it a left? Oh, the one that actually it finished left, it. Right? He caught him with a few really pretty hard, uh, very beautiful, not pretty, but uh, beautiful hard shots. No, but the one that finished him was like, you were calling it an overhand left, the yeah, commentators were calling left. it a left hook. It was kind of in between. It was yeah. just a really high arcing, high overhand elbow, left leaping hook. left hook. It was beautiful. Yeah, right on, and right when we heard it, it was a crack. And, yeah. uh, and then split second. Pause. And then he dropped. Yeah. And when he when I heard that, I was like, oh. And I saw him drop. I was like, this is Roy McDonald all over again. Like when Roy got hit, you could hear his nose break with the crowd. Yeah. So like this is. Uh, I was like, he's hurt. And then he dropped down and got the the finish, the TKO on the ground. And uh. Well, no, the the ref stopped it to check his eye once they did finally stand back up. And then the doctor and him had this like weird verbal exchange. Oh, they exchange. called it. They called yeah, it. Yeah, it was weird. I was like, yeah, they're gonna call it because his, his his eyes destroyed. His eye was completely swelled shut. Yeah, he couldn't even see. And he was saying like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm fine. Whatever. And I I, re- I remember whatever. I was like, you are not good. Yeah. I was like, your eye is fractured. It Your was one of those things broken. that the uh, ref and the doctor walked away from the fighter a little bit to kind of like after they talked to him and I was like I thought it was going to go on I thought they were going to keep going but right at the last second when when the doctor walked away I saw they zoomed in on Nico's eye and I was like oh they're going to call it and they called it I saw him wave it off yeah so yeah the ref the ref basically was like can you see or not and I think he said I think because I heard the commentator say something about this I think he was saying like for a little bit I think is what he was saying. So if you let it like, go the next 20 seconds, he has 20 seconds to left. see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. If he doesn't get the finish in 20 seconds. And Nico he's, Price, he's man, wild man. He was shaking his tongue. He was in the camera. He was being all crazy, even with a busted and swollen shut eye. He was hugging Vincente, saying, I really wanted to fucking beat you, man. Like, he's just a goofy dude. Yeah. dude man. I, and I like watching him fight. That was a good fight. That was an entertaining fight. In the second round, he stepped it up and he, he put pressure on Nico and needed to do what he needed to do to win the fight, which was make it ugly, not technical. Use that size and that kind of awkward you know length and striking but you know he was only able to have success in, in spots Vincente Luca did a very good job at um, nullifying those you know keeping them to a short uh, minimum and then his technique man he was super sharp on his counters he was landing very clean I even said earlier in the night when we were watching this fight man Nico needs to be like Tony is and just unorthodox and just kind of go for it and man they ended up being looking very similar by the end of the night yeah you know the one thing with that style with being unorthodox, and I faced guys like that through my years of, 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 you know, doing what I do, which is just be, not only being a coach, but sparring and, and training with, with, with pros. And um, is as I got better and better, the more unorthodox they were, it, it almost was easier for me as a technical striker because I could – they're unorthodox, but a lot of their punches come from that side angle. So it was easy for me to block on, the, on my guard and kind of just keep my eyes open. With someone unorthodox like that – it was something you have to do is not let that movement throw you off and just stay tight, keep your eyes open, and stay focused. A la Cody, Cody Goldbrandt versus uh, Dominic Cruz yes. one, you know? And, you know, and, and, and just stay calm. 
don't play into their game. Don't try to be all fancy and awkward like them too. And what ends up happening is you end up start seeing a lot of openings. There's something about being awkward and coming at different angles. It's cool to come at different angles, but when you come at different angles with while, while you're punching, like left hook and you're stepping right and you're throwing like a right hook. As you're doing these things, if you're throwing like lots of hooks or weird combinations, you're 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 very exposed. So if you're going to take an angle, you want to punch angle punch instead of punch while I'm angling and punching wide especially for you better have set that movement up to where yes. you're not walking into you something. need you need to be very careful that when you're taking that angle that what you're throwing is not only going to be a good th- a good punch or, or kick that's going to make them defend and not make them be able to counter but yeah. make sure that you can use that to move and then set up your strikes from a different angle uh, and the one thing I noticed is people who fight awkward and weird like that, they're exposed in a lot of different areas. And if you stay calm and tight while they're trying to be wild, you can catch them nice and clean on the chin. or catch They're walking it. in a lot of Espe- times. Or their legs are just walking targets, especially when they're sitting wide-legged and trying to take deep angles. Because every time they take a hard right angle or hard left angle while they're punching, their legs are heavy. You can just chop them down all that day. That was what Cejudo was doing to Dom, actually, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so... um. Again, like Tony, it works for him because he'll set like a jab up and then angle and punch, and he'll he'll has good head movement. It works for him, but but eventually uh, there's an opening. And yeah. one common denominator with anybody who fights like that is that they rely on their chin and their toughness a lot more than you know most fighters should. If you want to have a long term yeah, career and dangerous. not have CTE, it's dangerous. So uh, you know if you have an iron chin, I mean, I love hearing Justin Gaethje say in the post fight press conference that you know I'm a human being too. Um, he had a crazy chin, but uh, and I have a strong chin, but I, I'm a human being. I could get my light shut out. I almost did at the end of the second yeah, round. Yeah, as he was walking out of the stadium, he was like, man, I didn't remember a damn thing of the second round. He smoked me. Yeah. The, so, ki- the key word he said was, he smoked me with that uppercut. In, the, in his post-fight, though, he said, uh, you know, I was almost out in the first round because I'm a human being, too, and, he, and I just like this line, as he said. But the lucky thing for me is I'm fighting human beings, too. Mm-hmm. Um, so Justin Gaethje um, showed that Tony Ferguson – the hardest chin in the world can only take so much over the course of 25 minutes. So yeah. eventually, if your you know awkwardness and your unorthodox style has this ingredient that you have to rely on your chins uh, holding up in order to have success, you know that's only going to last for so long. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and it puts you in in situations to where you get overconfident and you start throwing haymakers and get caught. Uh, ju- yeah, just, just like you were saying, I wouldn't design the my combination to. Um, take a punch like you're talking about with your yeah. kicks and stuff. I wouldn't design my style to, I mean, fuck. I'm saying this, which is the guy that normally wears people out by getting punched in the face, <laughs> and then I'm still there, and then you're tired, kind of like Tony Ferguson. So, you know, don't do as I say, say as I do kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, Let's talk about this next yeah. one. I'm excited to talk yes, about this, this one. A, this was a good fight. Bryce Mitchell. Our Kansas. Yeehaw. Got his fucking camo shorts with this yep, performance. 13-0. As soon as fight was over, Joe said, I want to let you know Dana's on the phone with Reebok, <laughs> and you have your camo shorts, and he was excited. From what I understand, they're even going to let him design it because he's like, are you going to give me some of this bullshit like Nike camo, or they're going to like let me do some real ca-? Apparently, he's going to design some real camo. Man, this fight just... Bryce Mitchell, I know there's a lot of trash talk from Rosa to Mitchell this the whole time, like, I'm going to destroy you, I'm the better grappler. Fuck. Bryce Mitchell just grappled the crap. Went from from head and arm choke to from head and arm choke to head and arm choke to head and arm choke to to triangle to uh, almost it almost got like four twisters. Bro. Literally applied and just, like Joe said, he's nine of ten on the submission. Like three oh different times gosh. he got him the arm behind the head and almost finished another twister. Would have been the first person in UFC yeah. history to ever have two twisters. I mean, shout out to Rosa. He survived on the ground, but 
the the thing he's is, walking sideways. He was today. on the ground the whole time, even in the last like minute of the of the third round. Rosa was like, "Stand up, stand up!" And Bryce Mitchell didn't even listen. He was like, "Nope," and just kept him down. You said he was pretty much like, "Oh, you said you're the better grappler." Okay, he's like, "I'm not even gonna let you stand up. I'm not even gonna play your game. I'm just gonna out grapple you the whole time." Man, is Bryce Mitchell's uh, grappling um, just it's top level? Man. It's top level. We were talking about, I think, from the second round on. You and I were saying that um, Rosa, you could tell mentally, he just switched it to where I just don't want to get finished. By yeah, this I just kid. don't want to get finished. Uh, not a lot of attempts on get ups, but just attempts on surviving really on the ground. Um, either that or he 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 just felt Bryce's strength, and Bryce seemed like he was a smaller guy, but he was a stronger man. Um, exciting fight for me. I didn't get to see much of Bryce Mitchell striking. Um, so I, I, you know, I could see though, when he started out, his hands were a little lower than his chin, a little white stance. So I can tell you he's more grappler heavy. Um, so I'd like to see, you know, right now he had a dominant performance against Charles Rosa and I know Rosa has good striking. He has, he's nice and tight. He's a technical striker. He's good. Um, but, um, I, you know, when Bryce Mitchell has to fight someone a little bit ahead in the featherweight class, that's not only got good ground defense and get ups and transitions, but has excellent striking uh, we're going to have to see where it goes. Um, so I want to see more of Bryce Mitchell. I want to see him fight. Um, but I'm curious to see how his striking holds up with a uh, higher competition. Do I think he has potential to be a champion? I can't quite say that yet, yet but I, from the grappling I saw and just the dominating performance, he's definitely got the heart and, and, and the grit and the grappling uh and the grappling uh, accolades to do so. Yeah. So I want to see how he holds up next. So I want to see him fight more, and then I'll uh, then I think we'll really have a chance to see this guy shine. And he's only going to get better. Young, thirteen and zero. Yeah. He has thirteen fights. He's That's super not kind of amateur, but um, we're we're gonna see. Uh, we're Sorry. Gonna, I, I, yeah, no, it's fine. We're gonna see. I just want to see how his striking holds up because you know everyone starts out good when they start with a fresh record and they, they fight people in the top 15. If you got good grappling, you just out-grapple people. But as you get higher up there, these guys have faced the best grapplers in the division. So once you get in the top five, these guys in the top five have all faced good grapplers. and uh, Well-rounded opponents. Well-rounded all opponents. that he's going to be facing after this. You know, so. From this point forward. You know, but that's how Khabib started. Everyone's like, well, wait till he gets a striker. Wait till he gets a striker. And what is Khabib doing? Destroying everybody. That's kind of how it works for any, like, top prospect that's you know? just soaring, right? Israel Asani. Yes. Wait till he fights a wrestler. Wait till he fights a wrestler. Well, yeah. So we'll see. So, you know, so far, Bryce. Oh, about Israel Zanya, I just played him on, on pro mode, on the hardest mode on on uh, UFC 3, and I was super pumped about it because I used uh, uh, Royce Gracie, and I smoked him all four rounds and submitted him by armbar. <laughs> I, like, I just destroyed him. Like, it was like, the I think in on the UFC 3 game, they now added judges' scores. Oh, like, really? And so, not rounds, but it's how the judges scored them. Oh, shit. So, I beat him, like, 30-26 each round. Jesus. <laughs> all, all five rounds. Oh, and that's I was a really great proud segue. Of that. That's a really great segue, that. because there was one judges scorecard in this fight that gave him 30-24, which means that's three 10-8s across the board for uh, Charles Rosa got 10-8. 10-8, it got dominated that bad. He got 10-8 in well, all three rounds by one clear. judge. It was clear. And then the other two judges gave Bryce Mitchell two 10-8s and one 10-9 uh, in one of the rounds. So, bam. It was, it was probably like the first round. I don't know. Dude. Who knows? Bryce Mitchell mopping the floor with Charles Rosa. I'm a, you know, I'm a fan of Charles Rosa. I think he's a good, a great fighter. He's been around a long time. But like I said, he doesn't, he's not super active. doesn't fight a lot of times a year. So, I really haven't seen his career progress. And I don't yeah. know where he sits. So, I was interested to see this fight play out. And, man, was it fucking exciting. Yeah. Who does, Bryce reminds me of, who's that other, like, white southern guy who fought for a little bit? He went to bare knuckle boxing. Oh, uh, just, uh, Brian something or no? Um, he's the one who fought Paulie Mullen, or he was the one who fought Artem. 
Yeah. Jason Knight. Jason Knight. He Hick, reminds me of Jason Hick, Knight. You're talking about Hick Diaz. Yeah. Jason Knight was fun to watch, too, but uh, Bryce uh, Bryce has got some some outstanding grappling, and it shows because Charles Rosa is actually a black belt. He's a, he's a jiu-jitsu black belt. It's not his real nickname, but I love Jason Knight's yeah. nickname is Hick Diaz. That's funny. <laughs> he's um, like the gangster. He's like the Hick gangster. It's like yeah. the southern, I don't know, Alabama yeah. version of the All Diaz right. brother. Anyways, we're, we're on we're on Bryce Mitchell's wiener right now. so we'll For real, the one, the non-existent one. Yeah, let's go the one to the, that's torn up by the by the drill. Let's go to the light heavyweight bout. It was actually the, the beginning, I guess, the starter fight. Yeah, the what first do you fight like to call night. it? The... Uh, Oh well, it, the on the warm very, up. No, it, the only one I'm talking about it's is like on the, the main card. is called the curtain jerker. Curtain jerker. Yeah, but the very first fight of the night is just the first fight of the night. Hey, Sam actually rocked Ryan right towards the end of uh, 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 rocked him a few times and shook him up and then put on a great performance towards the end. Sam Alvey did phenomenal. He, did he was leaner was, than I've seen him. Yeah, um, I thought it could have gone either way. A fucking lovable but, idiot, man. But, this guy yeah. comes out every time and just yeah. uh, like Nate. I've talked about this on the show before, where. He'll bet on one guy in the predictions challenge, but he likes the guy personally. Like you know, he's yeah. just a good story. So then, by the end of the night, he's rooting against his own pick. He was like, "Come on, Sam, you can do it." It was. It was I, pretty you know fun. what's funny? I always, I one. always find myself watching and hoping for the guy I picked against. It's almost every fight, just, <laughs> know, it's just because I'm like, oh, I want the underdog to win, and, and so I'm just about the underdog. I always want the underdog to win. You know, I always got to. The underdog, man. Sup, little dog. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> the little dog, dog. Anyways, light heavyweight Ryan Span versus Sam Alvey. Uh, went to decision. Ryan Span. I think it was. It, at the end of the day, it went to Ryan Span. Was still a little more active. Uh, had more ring control. But Sam Alvey, when Sam Alvey did strike, he hurt Ryan Span. That a few counter times. right hook of his over you know? the top every time. It's like okay, yeah. come on, come on, throw something. Okay, counter right hook. Yeah, and he uh, catch him a lot yeah. behind the ear. Yeah, I don't think Ryan hurt Sam Alvey that I can recall at all. So Sam Alvey definitely, you know, hurt Ryan Span a few times, wobbled him a little bit. But overall, I think Ryan Spann is just a newer fighter. He's younger. He's fre- I, don't, I don't know his age. So I can't say he's younger, but he's, he's new to the division. Um, he's probably more promotable than Sam Alvey at this point. But um, I think Sam Alvey could have won it easily. Uh, I wouldn't say easily, but you know he had more wobbles, and he was he, not only did he hurt Ryan more uh, than Ryan even did Sam, but I think uh, he was active enough to uh, keep up the whole time. I think it so. was it was just the judges. Sometimes it's like how you judge it, right? He was back up was up against the cage yes. a lot, and he was countering a lot. And Ryan did just as much. Yeah, so I think know? Ryan just pressing forward in volume, like yeah. ended up. Getting, we weren't sure on this one. We thought Sam might have pulled it out. Yes, so when I was, they announced I was Ryan, super we're impressed. Like, All right, I guess we'll take the points, but but you know we're rooting for Sam, and yeah. I gotta make people aware of this in case you're not familiar. Sam Alvey, his nickname Smiling. Every Dude. time he fights, his the back of his head is shaved. Uh, you know, two little eye holes and then a smiley face, just like the yellow smiley face. And it's weird to me how he smiles so much. It's like natural, and and it's like overly smile. And so she, when he's not smiling, it's 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 weird to me. Like but when he's smiling, he but when he's smiling, it's weird to me too. I'm just weirded out the whole time. I'm like, I wonder how nice you are. Either you're really nice, or you're a serial Psycho. killer. <laughs> no, no he seems like he's really nice, yeah. and and he's also a goofball. He was the first person to walk out th- uh, for the night, and he walks out and he's like raising oh, his yes. hands. He's like. Slapping high fives in the crowd with the people who aren't there, uh, just acting like there's a crowd there. It was it was pretty funny. Yeah, it was good. But yep, Ryan Span, one decision. 
All right, guys, predictions challenge. It's alive and well. Before we talk about the last fight we're going to talk about tonight, Donald Cerrone and Anthony Pettis, I'm just going to recap the points. I'm a bad man. Yeah, Nate, fuck you. 11 to 9, taking the week, <laughs> extending your lead. He's got 60 points. I got 49. We are doing this challenge all the way until December, by the way. Gives you more than enough time to let us know what you guys want us to do for the loser. Shave ahead, 1,000 push-ups. I don't know. But great job, Nate. You killed it. Uh, we both got zero on a couple of them. Ferguson being one. You know, we both got goose eggs on that one. But other than that, we did all right this week. So that's the predictions challenge recap, guys. Uh, got some work to do. But the next one we're going to talk about, we wanted to give us a little bit of extra time, is Anthony Pettis taking on Donald Cerrone. It was a great fight, great matchmaking. Donald Cerrone came out in force. Like I said, man, he just he had five fights in less than a year. I expected him to come out in a better mental space. It was at 170, so I expected him to come out strong and you know be able to take a solid shot. Man, did they put on a good fight. Oh, super entertaining. Um you know, I was always, you always used to say it depends on the headspace of Cerrone. In the last couple of fights, the headspace, I didn't even see headspace. I just saw yeah. stiff, bored, uh, not bored as in I'm bored, but as sti- stiff, as a, stiff board. as a board, man. And, uh, I'll break you in half. Yeah, and I saw a whole different Cerrone. He was game. You know, the last fight with uh, Pettis was super quick. Within the first round, he got dropped to body shots and uh, with a body kick, left body kick to the body, or I believe a left kick, yeah. And, um, Really, I just expected it to be one-sided, and I thought Cerrone won. I thought Cerrone not only was more active, but, you know, landed just as much and, and was the aggressor. And, um, man, it was a good fight. They both exchanged some head kicks. It was super close. I voted for Pettis, so I got my points there, but I thought Cerrone did a little bit more. Um and I didn't see I think Pettis thought that too. Yeah, he did. He was like, I'll take it. At the interview, he's like, well, Joe Rogan was like, what, 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 do you, what were you saying to to uh, Cerrone and like, w- after the judges called it? He's like, you know, I'll take it, you know? You know, Cerrone put on a high-level performance. They both did, and Cerrone was light on his feet, active, had that angry look on his face. I, th- I enjoyed that fight a lot. Um, I was probably more excited for that fight than anything on the card, to be honest with you. Um, I was really excited for the Tony uh, Ferguson fight. That was a, an excellent fight, as we talked about earlier. But, um, man, that card was worthy of a co-main event for sure, that fight. Um, but uh, Especially the way it played yeah. out, man. They finished yeah. strong. Um, Donald Cerrone, you know... We talked about the, the his mental that mental aspect and how I he, believe it now. What you know is it Donald or Cowboy that shows up to a fight is yeah. the way that he termini- and terminalizes. I, and right? I even talked that maybe the crowd is what gets the Cerrone. Oh yeah, we talked about that. Yeah, bro, because no crowd. He was like like Jim Moore, man. It was phenomenal. And maybe Showtime being the Showtime guy, he, need, he needs a show. He needs a crowd to perform. Um, overall, uh, dude, fun fight. Very fun fight. Yeah. Good exchanges. Uh, Cerrone looked very, very good, man. Very, very good. He was uh, executing a great jab throughout the fight, kind of like Ally Quinta when he fought him. And, you know, he's busting Anthony's nose up. And yeah. uh, I talked about it. You know, it, it's not always the case because you never know. You can always put on, like, a tough-looking face. But when he has that angry scowl like you were talking about, he's just got a chip on his shoulder. He's got something to prove. That was kind of that mentality I was referring to, like the whole Alex Hernandez yeah. fight when he came out. I'm going to show this little boy what's up. Um, you know, him and, and 
Anthony have become friends over the years, even after their fight. And so I felt like there wasn't any bad blood. The crowd not being there, I think you've got, you're you're onto something there. I think that was able to let Cowboy just focus and, and, and imagine he was like in a gym, like you were saying. And oh yeah, it was a very very competitive fight. That's I loved it. they made the matchmakers look brilliant. You know, they could if it would have ended in the first round like the first fight, it would have been like, what are we doing here? You know, but. Um, it was competitive. It was exciting. It was back and forth. I agree with you. I actually think Donald Cerrone uh, won that fight. Um, Donald, Anthony, a lot of people uh, tend to agree with us. But um, as I said earlier, man, I was watching this fight, even predicting it, going, man, this is one of those I wish neither of them would lose. I just like them both so much. They've been around forever. They're vets of the game. They're good people. And so I kind of got my wish. I'm pretty sure Donald Cerrone. Cerrone Donald Donald Corona. (laughs) (laughs) You got that coronavirus on your mind. I'm pretty sure he gets a flat rate on his contract to compete the same, no matter what. And, uh, you know... His marketability and his ability to potentially get future fights isn't really based on his win and loss record. And so Anthony Pettis comes away with the win, you know, on the books. They both come away, you know, with a great fight and a great, great showing. They got stocked still. Yeah, so I, I was just really excited. I got my wish. Both of them came away looking looking great. So Yeah. All right, well, that pretty much wraps up the episode, guys. Make sure to stay tuned for episode 30. We're going to drop that hopefully in the next day or two. It's going to be breaking down the fight on Saturday. So we had Saturday fights on the 9th, then Wednesday coming up. Uh, so and soon, guys. Yeah, so soon. following Saturday, we if got you're, fights. If you're listening to this episode right now, it's released on Tuesday. Correct. More than likely, I'm gonna I'm gonna or try my, to I'm tomorrow. trying to get ahead of the game because there's so many to release. Yeah. So it may come out Monday, it may come out Tuesday. Yes. But but if you guys are listening to it, my whole point is, guys, it's gonna be a day before another a day card, before another fight. So be excited, guys, be pumped up. And then we're gonna have to do a breakdown of the post fight for um, the Overeem. I'm sorry, the Glover Teixeira versus Anthony Smith fight on Wednesday. But look out for episode 30. It's where we're gonna do our breakdown and predictions for Overeem versus Harris. That's on Saturday. Same venue, same setup. Um, there's a couple other awesome fights on that card. It's not nearly as stacked, obviously, as UFC 249, but there are some gems. Dan Ige's taking on Edson Barboza. Edson Barboza's going down to featherweight for the first time. Um, Eric Anders and Christoph Jock coach should be explosive. Song Yidong taking on our boy Marlon Vieira. I'm actually excited to see Claudia fight Angela Hill because Last uh, performance Angela Hill had, she looked really sharp. So I'm excited to see her perform. And Claudia's a upcoming prospect from, uh, I believe, Brazil. I think she's from Brazil. Yeah, she's been um, doing, she's putting it together, uh, Angela Hill is. And yeah. Claudia Gadelli has kind of been lingering at the top yeah. of the division for a while. And so I, this is going to be a good fight. I agree. A good female fight. Matt Brown comes back to fight on this the card. Immortal. Yeah, Darren Elkins taking on uh, Nate. Giga, uh, former kickboxing uh, champion. Oh, that's right. Giga uh, Chikadze. He's going to be fighting as well. Kevin Holland, super explosive. He's got a couple knockouts in his last couple fights. So don't ma- uh, don't miss the episode 30 when we break down and pr- do our predictions for this fight. And obviously don't miss the fights as well. Uh, we will be releasing a breakdown of the post-fight for Smith and Teixeira after those fights happen on Wednesday. So we got a lot of episodes coming out, guys. So thank you so much uh, for participating in the predictions. I'm sorry, uh, in the uh, giveaways. We've had two of them so far, the $100 one, the $25 one. I got three more $25 giveaways coming your way, guys. So the one thing I need from you is I need you to reach out to me on social media and or the Apple Podcast app in the rate and review section and suggest not only predictions challenge, loser, you know, uh, what we have to do for that, but suggest what other giveaways you might like me to do. I mean, obviously, I'm going to be the 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 final say on it, but I want some suggestions. I want to know what you guys are interested in. I want to know what you're, um, you know, I want you to engage the show, and I want this to be a listener-driven show as far as a lot of the content, the interactive content. So please reach out to us, NateFit13 on Instagram or at d.love underscore 84 on Instagram. 
at DLove underscore 84 on Twitter. Um, or always, we prefer it if you uh, reach out to us on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that's where you can use the rate and review function. Submit any kind of question or any anything, any feedback through the reviews, and that really helps us out a lot, guys. So um, that does it for us this week. I really appreciate you guys stopping by. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Not to beat a dead horse, but if you did, give us a five-star rating and go on Apple Podcasts and give us a, a positive review. Uh, but that's it we're done i'm through thanks again to nate for always helping me out with the episode make sure to check out mmt fitness get yourself a covid19 shirt and uh, mmt branded mask but until next time guys that is it remember i'm with words so peace in